are Jamaicans. My dad was a massive fan of Muhammad Ali. And uh, my first memory as, as a, a child is watching two people like boxing on a TV screen. And it's scary. Yes, Henry Cooper's left eye is badly cut. My father's a very primal man. Two modes of expression. Rage and silence. To make sure, like, you know, I studied these guys. He didn't use the word study, you know, because that wasn't part of his, his uh, vocabulary. You know what I mean? Uh, just watch it. He wanted his son, moi, to be like the next Muhammad Ali, man. I first went into a boxing gym as a child. Uh, I boxed for maybe nine months. I did not like to get punched in the head, man. My father didn't give a fuck. My dad wanted me to be a boxer because he was trying to live vicariously through me. One day, fifth grade, cut school, and I was like anxious about like, you know, telling my father that night after he got home from work, I don't want to box anymore, man. He gets home and he's on the uh, couch. Dad, I, you know, I don't want to box. He gets up, walks over to the uh, rabbit air antenna, breaks off the TV antenna, and doesn't know. Not a nice number either. Very graphic, fucking inhumane number of that. It's okay if I'm not comfortable getting hit, but as long as I get hit for you, that's okay. Just couldn't compute that, you know? This happens a lot to kids who would rather be a jazz trumpet player than a, you know, soccer player, or rather be a soccer player than a whatever. I mean, you see kids drop out of high school all the time because they feel that they were pushed there and they were forced there and they weren't enjoying it and they quit sports and it crushes their father. Thank God, it should crush their father. Their father should learn and grow from it. My father, he never wanted to like teach me. He wanted to dominate me. It's a difference. Box is not a sport. It's an act of fucking survival. Primal, tribal survival, man. Michael Bent, 19 years old, won the Golden Glove Championship at two years in a row. Michael Bent, for the third year in a row, is the Golden Gloves Heavyweight Open Champion. I won the New York City Golden Gloves four times, which is a record. I'm a five-time national champion. Golden Gloves uh, still had some resonance in the popular culture at the time. And in that world, uh, Michael Bent was a star. I never want to turn pro. It was a uh, great era, probably the last great era of heavyweight boxing. Tyson, Evander Holyfield, Riddick Bowe and Lennox Lewis. The reason why I turned pro was to get from under my father's roof. 
I figured, like, you know, I'm such a star. They'd line you up with 25 fights. Easy. And then, like, you know, on to Mike Tyson. Michael Bent making his pro debut, then at uh, 215 pounds. Boy, Bent seems bent on putting Jones out of there in a hurry. Amateur boxing and professional prize fighting are not necessarily the same sport. 14 seconds remain in round one. Remember, the bell can't save you. Bent's in trouble. Jones all over him now. And what a drastic turnabout this fight took. He may not get through the round. He's down again. There's the bell. A knockout for Jerry Jones. Bro, someone did not give Jerry Jones a fucking script. Suddenly, just like you'd flip a coin, this, this bout went upside down, didn't it? The most singular, humiliating thing to a boxer is getting knocked out in public, man. My father, who was present, he went ballistic. Oh, my fucking son, lose the fucking fight, blah. I'm like, dude, this is, this is, you didn't fucking get knocked out, man. What are you fucking so upset about, dude? After I got back to New York, I had never encountered, like, you know, that kind of darkness before. Like, self-hatred, self-loathing. Being around people like who fucking, like, are gonna whisper about me when they think I can't hear. Nigga from New York, you should, okay, look at that motherfucker, he's soft. Five-time national champion, got knocked on the first round, bro. Champion. I remember one day, there was a ticket on my car. I'm parked in, like, you know, in a good, you know, decent spot. Not, like, you know, in, in violation of anything. Picked up a ticket, and it was, like, you know, on the ticket was written, uh, Michael Bent, um, hey, first round knockout, ha, ha, ha. Going out, meeting chicks, blah, 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 and, like, you know, going to clubs and blowing money, man, and, drinking myself to death, man, and one day, like, you know, I'm just, like, you know, trying to, like, you know, just, just, like, soothe this, this damaged person. I'm home in my brother's apartment, and I find, like, like, a gun. fight is and the fact that the, the world would then call you a loser when you've put it all on the line is what's supremely wrongful to me hey you pays your money and you takes your chances i got a phone call from evander holyfield the heavyweight champion of the world i had sparred with evander as an amateur and i'm uh, assigned to be a spar partner one day i'm in the gym with evander georgie Benton. The master saw me. He said to me, baby case, god damn, when you spar with Evander, I can't tell who the fucking champion is. Okay. I have something to prove. 
One day I get a phone call, and it's Michael. He's had one fight. He's he's 100% in his uh, career. Loser. He told me his tale of woe. He couldn't get a fight, and he couldn't get a manager, and he couldn't. he's out of boxing after one fight. And so I said, I'll tell you what we'll do. I will sign you. I will see that you get some fights. Uh, let's roll the dice. I ended up winning my next 10 fights in a row, and I got a shot against Tommy Morrison, the white Mike Tyson. He was the last great white hope. We had the same promoter, and I used to watch when Tommy fought, and I used to feel, thank God I'm not in there fighting him because he was, a, he was a power fighter that fought with combinations, which is rare. Tommy Morrison was the heavyweight champion of the world. They'd already worked out a deal fighting Lennox Lewis. Morrison would make $8 million. They needed a tune-up, someone that uh, will look good and, 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 and try hard and... I said, I think we're ready to take a chance. Let's get ready to rumble! WBO Heavyweight Championship fight, Tommy Morrison and Michael Bennett. Here we go, round one of this championship fight. Tommy Morrison, if he wins this fight, will go on to a big payday with Lennox Lewis, and that one hurts. He had me hemmed up on the goddamn roast, man. And I lean back, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm in control, but I'm fucked up. And Tommy Morrison trying to end it early. And the voice in my head said, you cannot go back to fucking Queens getting knocked out, man. And a good right by Ben. And Tommy Morrison is down. At 2.05 of the first round. Morrison has been down before in fights that he has won. And now Tommy Morrison gets hit for the left, and he knocks Morrison down again. His eyes are glassy. He's fucked up, man. You can see the bewilderment in the eyes of Tommy Morrison as Michael Bent from New York City looking to finish him off. And Bent just throwing nothing but haymakers right now. And Morrison in deep trouble. And Morrison is down. Throw my hands up. Take out my mouthpiece and I'll throw it. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you. Right. Fuck you. Right. You love me now? The winner by TKO, Michael. He felt driven and pushed to a place he maybe didn't want to go. And then surprisingly, he surprised himself. He put on the heavyweight crown and he never really planned on it. If I had the opportunity to walk away from Mike and boxing post Tommy Morrison, I'm not fucking with boxing, man. I never wanted to be a professional in the first place. When you're successful in such a public arena, everybody wants to pat you on the back and everybody wants your next move. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you're not brought along the right way, if you don't have somebody who's looking out for your best interests, you're fucked. Michael Bent caught lightning in a bottle in beating Tommy Morrison. 
There was no one in this country that was interested, even after he beat Carson. A friend of mine had this guy, Herbie Hyde. Hyde was a pretty good fighter. They took a fight with risk in it. And maybe it's because they were offering three times more than any other fight. I wasn't on fire inside like I was against Tommy Morrison. I knew, like someplace deep down, that I wasn't fit to be a heavyweight champion. The first round of this fight is going to be interesting. It really will be because it'll be a question of which man really wants to come out and bang. And Ben's just walking to him. It started out where it it looked somewhat like Michael was just going through motions with nothing where he really wanted to hurt the guy. I mean, you're supposed to want to hurt the guy. Herbie Hyde has dominated this fight to an extent that I think would shock any boxing observer. Herbie Hyde's punching power is tantamount to you taking a goddamn knife and sticking it into a uh, electrical socket and holding it. Fighters have nights like this, and, and let's hope we get through it. Well, the, the, the Herbie Hyde jab is, I mean, he is all oh, good. Right hand, right in the front. Herbie hit me with like a combination of shots. That right hand makes my right foot pitch out from under me. And I fall, boom, face down, and I bounce up. Boom. There are um pitfalls, man. It's this thing. Michael was in a real fog. Now I had never seen that in a fighter. We took him back to the locker room. He was hanging his head and holding his head like this. And, and, and the only one he responded to was my granddaughter, Rachel. She adored him. And she was crying and crying. She put her arms around him, and he picked his head up, and he said, I'm all right, Rachel. Rachel, don't cry. Pass out. Placed in an ambulance, my brain was swollen. The head neurosurgeon decides that to subside the swelling, they're going to induce a coma. It was very scary because I'm thinking that uh, uh, Michael may be dead tomorrow. My father's living in Florida then, and I heard that uh, he said... After he watched the fight and heard that I was like in his coma, he said, yeah, met the blood clot boy dead. You know what that means, right? Yeah. That's Jamaican patois for him saying, yeah, let the fucking guy die. 96 hours, I was out for, I see a light. And I see a name tag, Dr. John Sutcliffe. This neurologist came in, and he started talking to me technically. I had no idea what he was talking about. And I said, well, what, what, just tell me, what, what's the... He said, well, the bottom line is uh, he should never be allowed to fight again. He's got this thing, and if he gets cracked in the head again, even if he's driving a car or he falls down or whatever, uh, he's liable to become a vegetable. My first reaction to that was relief. I was always in conflict with, like, you know, why I fought in the first place. Most fighters are very uneducated through school. 
I mean, and then aren't going to really do well in the working world. I mean, maybe they get a job pumping gas or working at McDonald's or something like that. But the thing is, you know, most of us don't prepare ourselves for that, for, that, for, for failure. After the Herbie Hyde fight, I bought a house in Pennsylvania, and I um, enrolled in a writing class. So I, I love to write. Bert Sugar was a well-respected boxing journalist. I met Bert at this uh, HBO boxing press conference. He said, "Michael, how you doing?" Blah blah blah. Like you know, you should write from a magazine about the emotional effect of getting knocked out and knocking someone out. Locked myself in my sister's room and wrote for three days. Uh, I wrote a piece called Anatomy of a Knockout. The article is about a state of discovery, and it was so truthful and so unvictimized. It was the honesty of the article that was reflected upon my first meeting that made me want to know this guy better. Ron Shelton, White Man Can Jim, Bull Durham, Tin Cup. Ron called me. My casting director was doing Ali, and she said, I can't figure out who to play Sonny Liston. I said, I got the guy. I'm casting it for you right here. Come on, you big ugly bear. I'll turn you into a rock. Keep talking. I'm going to fuck you up. The one thing that always stuck with me from that experience, in retrospect, is like, look, yo, dude, you belong here. My life totally changed when I got to LA. I felt more comfortable in the company of creative people. I started training more people in the entertainment business. Unlike boxing, actors are open to failure and even seek it out. We come from a similar background. Like in Brooklyn, he was in Queens. And you know, growing up in those environments, you almost always feel like you're doing it by yourself. And one of the cool things is when you talk to somebody that's a kindred spirit and you go like, oh, oh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's actually, it helps you not feel so alone in the world. Boxes are the world's best liars. You know why? Because they deny everything. And they don't realize it. They deny pain. An actor's job is to embrace that, 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 uh, the pain. The night you knocked Tommy out, I was like sitting on the edge of my seat going, I don't fucking believe this because I fought on like three of Tommy's cards. Right. I used to see guys after Tommy fought them. Right. And they would be like this right. going, I'm done with this shit. I'm never going to fight again. Mickey Rourke was in a troubled family situation himself. So he got scar tissue. I can relate to that. I appreciate the respect that he shows me and and how intelligent he is, you know, and we can talk about things and uh, I can get advice from him. And I more than anything is I trust him. Where did that come from? I'm not surprised that he's been embraced because anybody that stood in the ring and even fought for a title, much less won a title, is instantly respected by people who have 
made movies and been critically praised and critically derided. It's very much like sports. There's no place to hide. I grew up here emotionally. Michael Mann has hired me like five times. Dude, I'm an ex-boxer and I work with Michael Mann. Clint Eastwood hired me as a boxing consultant and as a character who me and I are baby. Well, Michael also, you know, has directed theater. Talk about raising the bar and going for it. I got permission to use these experiences of triumph. Anguish is a, it's just for like, you know, to hide your pain, man. But more importantly, failure. I was in New York one time. He has a Broadway show on boxing. I said, Michael Ben like went from a boxer, a world champion, I brain damage to this. I said, this, what a good story this is. Boxers are the bravest people in the world. If I want to hit you, I take a risk of being hit. So you don't get anywhere without risking going somewhere. Thank you, Coach. I'll see you soon at the house, I hope. Yes, sir, bro. All right. We're going to go home and make love. One of the things I think Mike Brent knows about life is, is perseverance. Lots of people go through dark moments, and they don't come out. We have jails filled with people that don't come out of those dark moments. Mike knows how to come out of those dark moments, and even go back in, and then come back out again, and still persevere, and just be on the journey that, that's life. Getting knocked out by Herbie Hyde was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was painful. But if I had not gotten knocked out by her behind, I would still be playing the role, the role of the boxer guy wearing that mask. I think we get it wrong a lot, especially in this country. It's all about winning, 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 winning. Um, people who are considered winners are, in my mind, some of the great losers of all time. And people who are called losers are, to me, some of the great winners of all time.